All right, welcome back to the show today. This is the Gospel for Life. Why don't, you, why don't you guys do the introductions today? I'm, I'm off, man. I'm just not here. <laughs> I know that's hard to believe, okay? Because I'm always on my A game, like every single show. But today, I'm just not. Today, you're feeling a little short. I am. <laughs> hey, look, I'm not wearing pants today. <laughs> Wow. We're, we're he glad wearing, he's got his Bermudas on. <laughs> he's wearing his capris. Um, this is the Gospel for Life. This is Russ Herman from Cloverdale United Reformed Church. Around the table with me is Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring Reformed. It's good to be here, Russ. Josh Bales from The Well. <laughs> Yo. And then Hugh or from Riverside Riverside Church, Church in, in Emmett. Reformed Baptist Church. That's yeah. Right. Good to so be with you guys. Representing in the house. <laughs> We have been working our way. Did you introduce way. yourself? I did. I started oh, with okay. that. Thank I wasn't you for paying listening. Attention. Yes, I knew you weren't. <laughs> Which he is really normal. isn't here. No, nope, he's not. <laughs> so, if it feels like some of us, Hugh, Jonathan, and I, are tired, that's because we are to laboring <laughs> to carry Josh's sorry carcass. <laughs> it's like a really bad wound on your leg. Yes, it is. It is. But we do so joyfully. Um, but we have been dealing with um, a topic called the preservation of the saints, perseverance of the saints. We have been working our way through Paul David Tripp's book, Do You Believe? And it is a book, it's classified as a systematic theology, but it's a little bit different than most systematic theologies. What it will do is it has taken 12 doctrines and then applied those doctrines in the chapter right after that. I so feel like it's more like an extended devotion. It is, yes. I mean... Because it's not really like a, a you know, serious. I, I would say this is the one weakness of the book. It's a little light on the doctrinal section and heavy on the application. Yep. Yep. So I have told people in, in my own church do not get this book to replace any of your other systematic theology books. Yeah. Um, but do get this to supplement your systematic theology books because of the beautiful application that you'll find in the book. Um, he's very helpful of taking doctrine and help us helping the the reader think through. Well, what difference does this make? Mm-hmm. And hopefully, as we continue through the perseverance of the saints, that you'll end up saying, "Okay, now what difference does it make that I believe this?" Yeah. Um, and I, we promise we'll eventually get there. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of the next question. Um, you know, it, it Trip asks if if the perseverance of the saints is true, then does it make any difference in how we live? And it's kind of it, perseverance of the saints is a different thing than what's kind of um, vulgarly called easy believism. Easy believism is the idea that uh, you know I, I'm saved and um, God doesn't really care how I live, so I can live however I want to. Jonathan, if someone said that to you and said, well, I'm, I'm once saved, always saved, I can, I can commit adultery, I can, um, I can break God's law, I can, I can quit going to church because I'm once saved, always saved, how would you respond to that? Well, first of all, I think we have to point out that true faith actually works, uh, that, you know, that it's not the works that save you, but it is it it works it continues with Christ and so i think that it probably would be a a longer discussion than just giving a bumper sticker for him right yeah yeah, yeah describing uh, the nature of salvation the nature mm-hmm. of the new birth the nature of union with christ i think we have to understand what does it mean to be saved 
Um, scripture always talks about salvation in three tenses. We have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. Justification, sanctification, glorification, and all are connected. There's not once saved, always saved, and salvation in Scripture just meaning that initial point of coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Um, Scripture never just simply talks about salvation in that isolated way apart from everything else that's right. connected to it. We're, we're saved from, but we're also saved to. That's right. And, right. and this is what, you know, like, for instance, most of us are familiar with Ephesians uh, 2, 2, 8, and 9, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works that <clears throat> no one can boast. But verse 10 says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So there's a, a save from and a save to that we that um, is missing when somebody says, well, it doesn't really matter how I live. Yeah, because easy believism kind of denies the imperative part of our sanctification. So yeah. you, you have been saved, now obey. And yeah. easy believism says, nope, yeah. obedience isn't necessary. Right. And there were some people back in the day, I'm not sure how much of it's prevalent today, that talked about this idea that Jesus is my Savior, but not my Lord. And I I can have him as my Savior, but I haven't quite made him my Lord. Um, That's not scriptural. If he's a Savior, he's also the Lord. Um, It's a both and, not an either or, and you don't get to decide whether Jesus is Lord. Yeah. you don't have that ability. Right. He is Lord. Right. And as when he uh, over the unbeliever uh, over the believer as well correct. as over the unbeliever. That's correct. But if he is your savior, he also is your Lord in a direct way, which means as Jonathan was saying, you're saved to good works. Yeah. Right. That Jesus lords over in your life. Well, easy believism is, is a very man-centered way of looking at salvation. Like, as, as you said, Jonathan, we need to look at the nature of salvation. Um, we are saved into a loving, living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And God has changed our natures in such a way where the believer wants to please the Lord. Mm-hmm. The person who says, well, I'm saved and I want to do whatever I want, I, I doubt you're saved. Um, because the, the 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 regenerate heart, as as you read a couple of days ago, has God's law written on his heart, has the fear of God placed on his heart, and he wants to please the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. This this is really the heart. We talked about this maybe a week ago or so, but I don't think it's bad to rehearse this. This is really the heart of what what Paul is saying at the end of of Romans five into to Romans six. At the end of Romans five. He makes the argument that when sin increases, grace um, superabounds. So sin is never going to outpace grace. And so then the logical thought process for, for somebody might be, well, if that's true, then I can just sin as much as I want because grace will always cover it. And, and then Paul goes into this beautiful argument in chapter 6 where he says, no, if you really understand grace, if you really understand salvation, you'll know that when, when Christ died, you died with him. When Christ was raised from the dead, you were raised with him. With him and the power of sin has been destroyed. It died on the cross 
with Christ, and you have been given a new power, a new life in Christ, and you're to walk in the fullness of that. And the idea is that the imperative comes that for sin will not have dominion over you since you are not under law, but you're under grace. Mm-hmm. And and the beauty of grace, the richness of grace is that now we can live that which we have been saved to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Where before we've spent our entire life under the bondage of sin. Sin is a cruel master, and outside of Christ, we were under that. But the wonder of grace is now we've been set free. Amen. And and the, the argument of, of Paul is, why would you go back into bondage? Why would you go back into slavery? Why would you go back into something that's dark and 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 awful to live in? You can live in the fullness of grace. Yeah. And, and that's really where perseverance is saying, you have been eternally set free. Yeah. Now live that way. That's right. And live the, in the fullness of your inheritance. Yeah, and the believer who truly believes in Christ will, from a regenerate heart, a new heart, want to obey. If you love mm-hmm. me, you will keep my commandments, right? Right. And, and Jesus, when he was preaching, his message was, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe. So repent means you turn from that sin, right? A yeah. change of mind yeah. and turn away from it. And so you can't go on sinning. That's what First John is all about, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there you can't go on sinning and say that you're uh, truly a follower of Christ. I love uh, D. James Kennedy. Uh, you guys remember him, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, he, he was probably more in your age than mine, John. Thank you. <laughs> um, Evangelism explosion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pat- so he knocked down e- easy believism with, with a couple easy sentences, right? So he said... Consider God's ten laws. Which one of those do you think he would be okay with you breaking? Adultery, lying, stealing? And of course, the answer is self-evident. None of them. Well, then you, re- you really don't believe that you can do whatever you want to do because you know that God is not okay with that. Right. Well, and if we do it, take the flip side, Jesus Christ died for our sins because of the love of the Father that sent him in the heart of Christ that embrace the mission of God, the Father. And what you find in salvation is something absolutely amazing, the fact of a triune God that loves a sinful person and was willing to die and pay for their sins. And if you really understand that exchange and how unworthy you are, then once you come to salvation, why would you say, I want to disregard the love of God? I want to live as if that didn't matter. Yeah. I want to live for myself. Well, no, if you really understand grace, if you really understand salvation in the gospel, what you'll say is, my life is not my own. Mm. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Yeah, right. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And, and, the, and the idea in Galatians 2.20 is, and if Christ gave himself for me, why wouldn't I give myself to him? Yeah. And the fullness of how I live, that I want I, I want to live to please him. Well, who, who lives in their marriage like that? Mm-hmm. Like, I have a wedding ring on my, my finger. Well, I'm already married, so I'm, my wife's already committed to me. I can, I can just live however I want to. Mm-hmm. Well, that is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That undermines the whole covenant of marriage. It undermines the whole vows. It undermines every single thing. To then, to then do that to God, which is an infinitely more uh, vital relationship than, than with my wife, I mean, that's, that, that totally disregards him as a person. Mm-hmm. Right. Right, and you know the the 
point of all this is, as we're talking about the perseverance of the saints, is, you know, one, we have this union, but we also know that we are sinners. And, you know, so we're not talking about we'll ever be perfect, but we are kept by him. We are, we are renewed uh, in the knowledge of God. And so there's a, there's, a, there's a sense in which, you know, this is why he disciplines us. Those he loves, he disciplines. He wants us to bring us back to that same affectionate relationship that we have with him. And, and this is why even in the extreme cases of dis- discipline where, you know, th- that person is excommunicated, it is to bring them to their senses and bring them back. Sometimes we do that with our kids. We send them to their room. So they, they go, no, I really want to be with the family. I want to be, you know, I recognize, you know, that you've done this because you love me. Yeah. Living willfully in sin is the surest way to destroy your assurance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And like Jonathan is saying, God allows and brings discipline, correction into the life of his children that are living in sin because he loves them and he wants them to know his love and be assured of it. And so he provides a corrective to that behavior, and one of the means that he uses is the loving correction of the church. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it is loving because it's really trying to restore to that um, child of God communion with God, communion with his people, and an assurance of, of their faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've been listening to The Gospel for Life. Don't forget, coming up October 21st and 22nd, we have our annual Reformation Boise Conference. Uh, this year, we have Dr. Joel Beakey and Dr. Derek Thomas. The topic is the church. Um, I can't think of a, a more vital doctrine in the, the particular age that we live in than a recovery of the doctrine of the church. So go to ReformationBoise.com. You can register there for free. We'll see you next time.